0: I mean, I, I had two calls from the White House where they wanted to come take pictures there uh, over the course of the project and take credit for it. Um, and I may or may not have ended up on a, on a watch list because of some language I used. Um.
1: Welcome to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an entrepreneur, and I've been a football coach in inner city Memphis. And the last part unintentionally led to an Oscar for the film about our team. It's called, Undefeated. I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits talking big words that nobody understands or ever uses on CNN and Fox, but rather an army of normal folks, us, just you and me deciding, hey, I can help. That's what John Currents, the voice we just heard, has done. The project that John mentioned was saving a restaurant and the home of an 89-year-old New Orleans woman named Willie May after Hurricane Katrina. Willie May's Scotch House makes what's been called the best fried chicken in the world. And it wouldn't be here today if not for John and an army of normal folks who spent 16 months volunteering to rebuild her restaurant. And John was going back and forth almost every week between his adopted home of Oxford, Mississippi and his native New Orleans that was five hours away. And he had three of his own restaurants to run in Oxford. John's love for Willie May and New Orleans is extraordinary and we'll continue with the story right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice.
1: You're 26 when you show up in Oxford having no business opening a restaurant but do anyway and start down your road to restaurant tour success. What how, what year was that?
0: 92.
1: 92. Yep. And home is still New Orleans. I mean, it's where you came from. Um you're making home here
0: but C- current leadership is making it very easy for me to divorce myself from the romance of the city i mean it's a <laughs> you know it's a it's a mess like so many other cities in the south right now
1: i i, mean, I, I get it but you still have a heart for your home 100%. and the people in it right yeah. and this little storm comes through called katrina what year was that
0: 2005
1: 2005 And I'm sure all of us watched that whole scene in horror. Um, I'll never forget the pictures of all the people on the, there was an overpass right near the Superdome that's, that's elevated that people kind of had to get to. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the hardwood lumber business. I sold a customer in new Orleans uh, at the time was called Hogan hardwoods. And there was actually a picture on the news. They, they delivered all their lumber. They made, you know, 10, 15 stops a day and they would deliver on 18 wheelers that had curtain sides. And I will never forget watching one of those 18 wheelers going down a road on the news. And it was a Hogan hardwoods curtain side truck. And there must've been 30 people sitting on the bed of the truck and it was, you know, going through three feet deep of water to get them out. And another couple of guys in a John boat paddling out. And they were paddling with six-inch wide pieces of red oak right. that they'd taken from the lumber company just to get out. Um, the death, um, the people in the uh, in the dome, Um It was tragic for anybody to watch. It was it was significant. I mean, anybody alive at the time remembers it. But for somebody from there, whose friends were from there, who grew up there, it had to have an even more poignant significance to you as you watched.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, I still, you know, almost twenty years later, find it difficult uh, trying to explain it to people. Uh, You know, to sit there and and watch in real time as the place that you know and love more dearly than than anywhere else in the entire world uh, get swallowed up and, you know, to not have any idea whether it's going to continue to exist, um, you know, in the. And we're talking one of the world-class
1: cities in the world. One of the most amazing places with its culture and its architecture and its food and the trolleys and Uptown and Tulane and the French Quarter and all of what New Orleans is, is sunk. And the people are sunk. Yeah. And people are going to Memphis. People are going to Houston. People are fleeing to Shreveport. People are fleeing to cities i mean literally here. all over the southeast
0: yeah we were packed here i mean there was there Oxford. were several yeah several gyms were used as uh, as overflow for the hotels uh my whole family was was uh, was was here um and so it was uh uh i really i remember cooking on that that monday night after you know we had been watching this this all day long and uh, all this huge number of family, friends, and acquaintances were in town, and just sort of how quiet the dining room was at the at the grocery it was. It was like a wake almost that you know, folks were drinking hard, um, but it was it was very quiet, almost like a church service. Um, and so there was you know there there was something you know akin to uh, a you know a, a family member being lost or potentially lost or in the ICU that you know it was it's just really uh, challenging to explain the the breadth of emotion and in that afternoon before that service I, I called my my whole management team together and and I told them I said I don't I don't know you know where I'm going because I mean God bless him in the in the early part of the coverage of the storm, the the Gulf Coast that the Mississippi Gulf Coast, which was largely forgotten because the pictures of New Orleans, you know, underwater was much sexier than just the Gulf Coast that had been wiped out and all of the detritus being sucked out to the Gulf. Um, and so I, I sat down with all these guys and I said, "Look, I don't I don't know." where I'm going to go or, or how long I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be gone, but I've got to go do something. I mean, this is, this is my home. There's got to be something that we can do. And, uh, so my, my dad and I, uh, loaded up and, and we rode down to New Orleans on, uh, on about day four. And this is before, uh, the, the national guard had moved in, uh, you know, local parish deputies. Which know, meant
1: it was not largely safe either.
0: Well, we just didn't know, right? That's what, Nobody knew anything about that. You know, the concern was that uh, with with all these folks that were moving about the city, we didn't know what was underwater, what wasn't underwater, you know, that if folks were going to loot that the entire area that had the most affluent homes in the city, you know, was wide open to 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 burglary. Um but I, I think in retrospect that, you know, even folks in the city had no idea, you know, what was underwater and what wasn't. And there, because there
1: was no electricity anywhere, right? No. I mean the whole city was no it just was
0: out. The the craziest thing Uh, that I experienced through it all was our first morning in the city as the sun came up and I walked out into the middle of the street. It was, it was so dark. You could not see your hand in front of your face. No light. There was no light, but walking out, you know, into the street as sun was beginning to break and there was no noise. It was so quiet. It was definitely like definitely loud. I mean, there was no bugs, there was no cars. There were no air conditioner compress- compressors running. There was no streetcars. Uh, you know, all of the uh, the uh, you know the bugs and birds had been blown out or had you know had flown out um, you know in in front of the storm, and so, so there wasn't a single sound. And so to stand there, you know, several days after the storm. There was, there was more organic matter on the ground than I had ever seen anywhere. And, you know, it was just beginning to decompose. And so there was this smell of sort of organic uh, decay um, and then this deafening silence. And that was it. I mean, and just so to... And to, for a notoriously noisy place,
1: there's yeah. always...
0: Well, and, and it was, yeah, and it was the the moment where I realized, you know, it didn't smell like I was accustomed to it smelling. I couldn't describe what New Orleans smelled like before. I mean, I could certainly describe what Bourbon Street smells like, <laughs> um, you know, but what my home smells like, something that you become that, uh, uh, it just becomes that much of your being. There's no way to describe how in an instant when that changes uh, how profoundly moving it is it's very surreal um and so you know that was that was really what was the the most uh a sort of recognizable uh experience day one on yeah being there on on day 1 it was crazy so
1: I starting as a freshman would gather up money and run down to New Orleans two or three times a year. Like I said, it's one of Lisa and my favorite cities, but it's long been one of my favorite places, you know, as a college kid and then young adult. And, you know, I, I found places to eat that I thought were cool. And one was mothers. I love the, uh, the roast beef with all that gravy over the bread. I mean,
0: debris. What's that? The debris.
1: Yeah, that's it. And I, I love mothers. Another place I like to go late night if I was hungry and had had too much was PortaCall. Huh. They used to have a big fat fillet. I bet they still do. Uh, but I know you know what PortaCall is.
0: Well, um, no, I I uh, just for the sake of experimented girl. have had a monsoon or two. Yeah. in there. <laughs> At four Uh, in the morning. Yeah, but that that burger was was what it was all about. They're still around, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, and believe it or not, fried chicken um, at a place that you are all too familiar with now. And um, there's a a place that I'm going to let them tell you about, widely known for her fried chicken. And... um, I've had it before. I haven't had it since it's uh, since it's reopened, but I've had it before. And um, why don't you tell us about Willie Mae's Scotch House?
0: Well, I think it, it has to start a block away at Dookie Chase. At uh, what? Dookie Chase. I don't even know what that is. So Dookie Chase is one of the most historic restaurants in the city. Really, um, the only way that I can can really couch it effectively is that it is the black part of the population's commander's palace. Um, okay, was, I'm going.
1: Wow, I bet it's amazing.
0: Well, it is. And Leah Chase, who was the grand dame of the restaurant for years, it was originally her husband originally her husband's family's restaurant. Her husband was the heir apparent to the restaurant, was more interested in being a musician than he was being a restaurateur. Hmm. And Leah took up the mantle of running the restaurant and gave it its new life in uh, in the 40s and 50s. And that restaurant entertained from the 40s until Barack Obama was president, uh, you name any black celebrity in movies, sports, television, politics—if they came to New Orleans, they came and they ate at Turkey Chase and they sat, you know, on bended knee, you know, next to Leah, just because she was a woman to be reckoned with and respected. Wow! <clears throat> and that's very—and that's a block away. It's a block away. And I no so idea. Leah became like a, a third grandmother to me, and we had a magnificent relationship. And it's it's one of the things that I, I treasure more dearly than about anything in my life when it comes to curation of, of folks. Um, and Leah, her lunch menu was largely a sort of a New Orleans version of a meet and three. You know, she would do, you know, trout maniere and fried chicken and smothered chicken, and pork chops, and and then had a selection of yams, green beans, spoon bread. But inside of the restaurant, I mean, it was tricked out to the nines and then has one of these most spectacular collections of African-American art that exists in the city of new orleans she was a prolific collector so the restaurant was absolutely beautiful so i would regularly when i was in new orleans make a lunch stop with leah to visit with her and eat fried chicken then get on the road to drive home to oxford you know late afternoon and a friend of mine from uh, from childhood who wrote for the paper one day we were leaving together, and then there had been a, uh, a fam trip, a bunch of, uh, of traveling food writers that were in town doing a piece on New Orleans that had all been brought to Leah's. And, uh, and he said, you know, I sat here and listened to you, and I've done this for years. You talk about how great Leah's fried chicken is and blah, 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 blah. And this is my friend's name, Lois Eli. And, and Lois grew up in Uptown. Both of his parents were, were academics, and, and Lois was, was black. And he said, "Well, let me tell you something, white boy.
1: <laughs> the best chicken.
0: You don't know where the best chicken is. <laughs> it's right around the corner, and you need to go. You need to go try Willie Mae sometime and and see what it's like. And so I don't remember if it was on that trip that I just went around. I thought I'll grab a sack on my way out the door, or if it was the next time. But I I went around the corner, and I felt like I was cheating on my girlfriend." <laughs>
1: <laughs> buying fried chicken, uh, buying fried from chicken Willie may. from
0: Willie Mays, and uh, and if I tell you that I mean Willie Mays was a hole in the wall. Uh, the The dining room had about five tables and fifteen or sixteen chairs. It was just covered in grease, and invariably you go in there, and there would be a pair of police officers sitting at one table, a couple guys that may or may not have been crack dealers at another. <laughs> um you know it was the it was but it was really like the it was the safe house for everybody and she had chicken and smothered pork chops and then on friday she she would fry that she'd fry some fish but you got any of those things with either white beans or red beans and rice and then two pieces of white bread cut in half and just dropped on your plate. And, and that was it. And so anyway, I, I grabbed some fried chicken and took it out the door and, and got in the car with it. And I was full as hell when I got on the road, but I remember sitting there and I I hadn't even you know made it out to the airport before. I was like, I can't stand the smell of this anymore. This is too much. And I remember biting into that chicken while I was driving down the interstate and, The skin was so crisp it almost shattered in my mouth. I mean, it was spectacular. And I thought I was like, Damn Lola's hundred percent right. This is the best freaking fried chicken I've ever eaten in my entire life. (laughs) And so that became that became my regular practice of sneaking around on my girlfriend (laughs) and eating fried chicken and sort of winking at everybody and telling, Man, this Willie Mays Mays is pretty serious chicken.
1: And now, a few messages from our generous sponsors, but first, I I hope you'll consider following an Army of Normal folks on all of our social media channels for more powerful content, which is also great for sharing, to help grow the Army. Our handle is at Army of Normal folks on all of them except Twitter, which I guess is X these days, which is interesting because... Everybody says X, formerly called Twitter, so we might as well just call it Twitter. Whatever. At Army Normal Folks. We'll be right back.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity Presents... Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice.
0: now, Willie Mays was only, uh, so Dookie Chase is on Orleans Boulevard, which is a four lane that that runs through that neighborhood. And that neighborhood, that's sort of the edge of Treme, Or I think it's where Treme and the Seventh Ward butt up to each other. And so they argue about which one it actually is. Whatever it was before the storm, it was one of the worst neighborhoods in the city of new orleans i mean it was awful i mean to the point where willie Mae was not open at night she lived it was a it was a shotgun that the restaurant was in and the, the restaurant was on one side and her house her living quarters were on the other side but it was one of those places where everybody understood the reason why everybody could go in there and eat was because It was 100% off limits for any BS. I mean, she worked only in cash. Everybody, you know, who, whoever went there knew that, you know, and she lived hand to mouth. She wasn't. So she had that, she had a, a, a coffee can full of wadded up bills that she bought her groceries with. I mean, in the house, but, you know, you didn't rob Willie May, but you didn't, you did not venture off by one block from Orleans once the sun went down.
1: So, Willie Mae is, as I understand the story, grew up in Mississippi, went to New Orleans, and I think opened this place in like the 40s or 50s. uh, Opened a bar and was selling scotch, but she was cooking for her family. People smelled the smell, and so she started... Selling what she was cooking—is
0: that about
1: right? Is that story close?
0: Yeah, the part of the building, which is now the, I guess the the back part of the restaurant now, was just storage when we went in and started working on it. That was originally a salon, and so she she came to New Orleans and was working as a cosmetologist. I think she was cutting hair and no kidding and and doing stuff and grabbed a piece of the building and opened the bar. And
1: cosmetology during the day and bartender at night.
0: And yep, and started doing that. And then her food caught on and uh, and ultimately the salon left and at some point the Scotch House took up the, the whole building, but by the time I started going and eating there, it was literally just the front little bitty room and then the kitchen immediately adjacent to it. The back of it was just That's it, all it was I just a mess. Said. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: that's that's what it was and it was, candidly, this little little African-American woman who was old, but don't think she was not strong, um, cooking chicken. And people from all walks of life going there because it was the best chicken in the world. And uh, I assume her fish was probably just as good. Mm-hmm. And making a life. And that's part of you know your life and where you came from. And Katrina hits. And that is the very area that got the worst of the flooding, right?
0: Yeah, it was about eight feet of water. I wouldn't say the worst. I mean, you get out to Lakeview where Seventeenth Street Canal busted, and you just you know you had a, you know, a fire hose of water coming through there, and you know they had eight or ten or twelve. So they of took the a lot.
1: How deep was that restaurant under the water? Eight feet. Eight feet. Yeah. Eight feet, and. If we go back to what you said about your first day of stepping out in the street and the smell, and it's eight feet of that, eight feet of deteriorating, rancid, disgusting, stagnant, hot, smelly
0: flood water. Right.
1: Which gets into sheetrock and it gets into insulation and it gets into studs. And it melts paint off ceilings where the water didn't even get. And it warps furniture, even on the second story. And it completely destroys electrical wiring. And it is, it's not like when you get a foot of water in your house for, you know, 30 minutes because a tub upstairs leaks. It's, it's standing rancid stuff that absolutely wreaks carnage. And nobody could live there, and all of the folks from these areas took refuge, like we said, in places like Jackson, Mississippi, Little Rock, Houston, Shreveport.
0: Yeah, wherever the buses took them. Wherever the right.
1: buses took them, because these are largely people of very, very little means, and their only way to survive was to get on a bus, and they did the bus took them where the bus took them. And then they ended up sleeping on cots in churches and Red Cross stations. That's pretty much
0: it, right? hundred percent.
1: Except for Willie May, who at 89 years old said, my entire life is that restaurant. That's my home, my restaurant, my place of work. And she got an airplane, slipped away from her family and got an airplane by herself and flew back to New Orleans
0: yeah and I, I there's there may be some question on whether it was an airplane or bus it doesn't matter she she, got was, back. she was 90 and and the restaurant was all she knew and i mean it was her i mean it was her reason for being and so yeah she slipped away from her family came back to new orleans the the water had been pumped off and receded you know at, at this point you know and so what remained was this shell of a building that had been neglected for 80 years that was just totally washed out. So, you know, and what it did was just basically, uh, you know, it gave everything, you know, inside of her building the ability to just say, Oh, of hell with it. Yeah, I've, <laughs> it just, I've held
1: on. This right. is enough.
0: And so it was a uh, it was a it was a mess. And the reason that I got involved is to to go back to May of that year. So Katrina hit on August 29th, in the beginning of May of 2005, at the uh, James Beard Awards, Willie May had been recognized as one of the four America's Classics to be recognized that year. Uh, they recognize restaurants that, uh, that are, that are not, you know, foofy, you know, over the top. They're, they're carrying on a tradition that wouldn't exist if the folks populating, you know, that business were not there to carry on the tradition. And she, she, she was awarded an America's classic. And so, uh, she comes back to New Orleans. I mean, we, a group of us had to figure out how to get her to New York at almost ninety, um, to get her to, uh, up on stage, to get her to the awards up on stage, get her paid for. I mean, all of it. She, I mean, she literally could not have lived any more hand to mouth than she did. I mean, she, she had her money in a coffee can. Yep, yeah, and you know, bought her stuff from the grocery store, got it to the restaurant, prepared it. You know, saved the money. Her great granddaughter got tipped. And that's how she made her money. And that's how they lived. And so all of a sudden she she comes back and there's a little bit of recognition. You know, she about doubles or triples in business all of a sudden. Folks are, you know, taking interest in this place. Um, and so she was struggling a little bit with, you know, an increase in business, she did pretty much all the work in the kitchen by herself at 89 and her great-granddaughter helped out a little bit, but her great-granddaughter had to basically do all the, the hustling out in the dining room. And so this is all of a sudden at a, at a new level. They were struggling to figure it out anyway, and then the storm hits and everybody picks up, you know, and goes off to, to Houston. And so, yeah, she she can't get her head around it all, and so takes off, comes back to New Orleans, uh, is apparently just despondent, sitting on the curb. Literally
1: everything she owns was in that restaurant-slash-house and was ruined.
0: And uh, uh, a a New Orleans Police Department officer finds her sitting on the stoop and goes up to, uh, you know, get her identification, find out who she is. And Willie May is, you know, at this point is just, she's in shock. She can't talk. She doesn't have any ID. And the officer ends up going through her purse with her and wrapped up in tissue paper in her purse is her beard award. <laughs> Which
1: is amazing unto itself. Right? She's
0: carrying that. And so the police officer calls the Beard Foundation. Um, the Beard Foundation says, well, I mean, we're not charge over, but you could try this guy, Lolas Eli. Uh, he might be able to help. So they get in touch with Lolas, and Lolas calls me and uh, and another friend here in town, John T. Edge, who runs the Southern Foodways Alliance, and says they've found Willie May. Um, and he says, we we, we got to do something to help her. And at uh, at the time that that I got that phone call, I was in Philadelphia, uh, Mississippi. Mississippi yeah, Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, and I had done the casino had done a fundraiser. I was getting phone calls to go everywhere to work fundraisers to raise, you know, five thousand, seven thousand, ten thousand dollars here and there. You know, money that wasn't accomplishing anything. But until I could find out what my job was going to be. I said yes to everything, and I get this call in Philadelphia, uh, and you know we said, "Look, this is something we can get our arms around. I know that restaurant. I know what's there. This is something that we could take on, and you know, put up some new sheetrock where sheetrock could come pain. down. And just get her, you know, maybe
1: a new fryer. Right, right. Pil, you know, polish no off the equipment, and, and, and off we go. Five weeks, off we go."
0: Yeah, again, the second worst miscalculation of my entire life.
1: (laughs) The first miscalculation was going to an all male college in Virginia in the middle of nowhere and thinking, how could he get distracted there? But ended up, uh, there were about five all girl colleges nearby. We'll be right back.
0: so we got in and uh, we partnered with some folks that were part of a preservation group out of the northeast that had said they wanted to sink their teeth into into something and so they brought down all these ivy league educated fellas to you know sort of take a look at the building and and help us you know figure out the best way that we could surgically remove the, the weatherboard on the outside of the building up to six feet.
1: And for God's sakes, isn't it funny and, how smart people could be so stupid?
0: Yeah, and it was you know it was all dry rot, and so it started <laughs> splintering immediately, and you know there was just there, there was going to be no salvaging in it. And so, what, what about termites? She, I would think termites would be a thing. Uh, you know termites you know you know termites work you know you've got to have regular moisture and water right right um, you know you've got to have uh, a post that's that's sitting on concrete that's sunk and gotten into wet dirt right so right? that they
1: can crawl up in a nest right I would expect um, a building like that was eaten up with
0: them. This uh, this is a building that there was a lot of dry rot, but I mean it was it was some wood that had that had dry cured and hardened, you know, to petrified. Wow, um, it, was, uh, it was it was bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the, 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 the it, there were still magnificent issues. The back half of the building, once we uh, we sort of dug into it, determined that there were about eight layers of shingles that had been laid on top of shingles. So shingle on shingle on shingle. So the roof was sagging. The roof was sagging from a construction standpoint. Uh, I don't think in the back half of the building that there was a single, there was anything bigger than a two by four framing up the roof. Um, (laughs) Right, so that should be two by eights, right? Yeah. And what's worse is there wasn't two by four that spanned all the way from the apex to an outside wall. Everything, they were scabbed together. Everything was scabbed together and bending. And so all of a sudden we realized that you know we've got you know two tons of shingles that the hand of God is uh, is hand keeping The God from, and
1: probably six ten penny
0: nails. Right. Yeah. And removing that was uh, was really dangerous. Anyway, the. Uh, you know the the point was you know, we we got into this thing. We thought five weeks we can get the the sheetrock cleared out, get it cleaned up, uh, hang new sheetrock, paint it, get her ready to go, get the stuff plugged back in, and off we go. And
1: she can be cooking chicken, making a living again, and in an area of the city that desperately needed one thing to look fixed again, this. This is the flag I was talking about. I mean, this is an area of the city that there was a lot of neglect. It's not like the federal government swooped in and helped out all that
0: much. No. No. I did. I mean, I, I had two calls from the White House where they wanted to come take pictures there uh, over the course of the project and take credit for it. Um, and I may or may not have ended up on a on a watch list because of some language I used. Um <laughs>
1: The city desperately needed things to open that reminded them of New Orleans and their culture, and this was one of them. And so in and out in five weeks, you got the people from the northeast going to help out, and no problem. Right. And it ended up being?
0: Well, it ended up being the uh, 16-, 18-month project instead. (laughs) The, uh, The folks from the Preservation Society threw up their hands after week four and said, this is beyond the scope of our ability. You mean
1: the northeast smart people? Yeah. Right. Um, and I think we just lost. Uh, that the show just lost all of the New England listenership.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I harbor no ill feelings. Yeah. Um, so you know, the the same group of us ended up back on the phone once we realized. Okay, we've gone through five weeks now and folks came from all over the world. So the Southern Foodways Alliance helped set up a, you know, a network to encourage volunteers who wanted to come to New Orleans and help out to do something, uh, to come work with us.
1: Kind of like you were, I want to do something, but how, and this gave the answer to the how to well-intentioned people that wanted to volunteer, And so you had a small army of people show up as a result of them plugging those people in.
0: Yeah. So, you know, five weeks passed, it turns out it took every bit of those five weeks to get the place cleaned out. I think in the first five weeks, we we ended up getting the roof off of the back part of the building, reframing the roof with proper uh, timber and re-roofing it. So we got it in the dry, but the, rest of the building this is 2500 square feet was completely gutted to studs there was and by the way there was no insulation you know it was wiring from the 30s 40s 50s i mean there were still a couple circuits that were being carried on insulators um uh the, the plumbing tube stuff yeah i mean and there was you know there were lead pipes uh, there was cast iron you know there's there was no ac i mean so uh we put hold t- on, hold on. I, some just
1: you've got a business to run. So how how are you working that?
0: Um well this uh, the, the the first five weeks it just went down on the weekend. So you know I can work during the week and then go down and, and do my thing. Um you know, when we ended up with the follow follow up phone call with myself and Lois and, and John T. Edge and maybe one or two other people on there at this point and everybody is scratching their heads going, what the hell are we going to do now? And I, I just, out of the blue, I just said, I got it. I mean, if you guys will continue to help, you know, arrange volunteers, I'll, I'll take this thing on. I'm, 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 that's, I'm just that dangerous that I know, you know, that much about construction and, um, and I've got I've got tools and generators and you know, and I've got a couple friends here and there that'll help out. But, you know, this isn't a huge job. This is the kind of thing that we can do and we'll get some support out of. Like people will be interested in the story and Why? folks. Why, John? Why? Well, I mean, first of all, there was a massive fascination with southern food. You know, you had people who were just pouring their hearts out about the significance of New Orleans at that point and wanted to be a part of it. They were looking for feel-good stories, you know, but everybody was lobbing grenades at the federal government. And, you know, and and let me be very clear, you know, when a lot of people feel like they know, uh, you know, what my politics are and how I feel and, you know, there was no playbook for how to deal with that. And, uh, you know, I think we had, you know, a president who had some Uh, magnificently wrong people in wrong positions at the time when all this happened and so you know could the response have been better sure but who the hell was thinking at that time okay well let's just say new orleans floods (laughs) in the entire city right like uh what do we do um so you know it was easy for us to look like these knights in shining armor going into, you know, a blighted neighborhood, taking on a restaurant that very few people knew about. But the story was that if we didn't do it, there was no insurance, there was no savings, that this was a 50-year-old fried chicken restaurant that would cease to exist in that moment. I mean, if, if, if we had not stepped in, um, You know, I believe fully that, you know, that building would be a pile of rubble on that corner right now. Um, and- Which, by
1: the way, today, there are still shells of buildings littering the New Orleans landscape from Katrina that nothing's happened with. No. So when you say a pile of rubble, don't think that. All this revitalization and all these areas going around and this thing would have been cleared and a Starbucks sitting on the corner, it literally would probably just be a collapsed pile of rubble, like so many structures all this time later still really
3: are.
0: Right. Yet now it is a building that six days a week has a line outside, two hours long, waiting to get in. I mean Is it's, it really like that now? It's unbelievable. And, I mean, it is a uh, you know
1: it it it. It was nothing like that when, when I went through it. No,
0: no, and and so you know I think the, the combination of the the press that it got, the association that was made between the Southern Foodways Alliance and Willie Mays, you know, and the fact then that once they reopened, you know, every food show and every food writer wanted to come through there and shoot footage and you know, and write about it being the best fried chicken in the country and, you know, yada, 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 that there, the, the response to it was, uh, was explosive. And, you know, and here we are 20 years later, and Carrie Seaton is still sitting on that corner, uh, you know, making fried chicken, uh, you know, every day. And we say this all the, all the time, you know, the thing that's, that's really inspiring about it from a generational standpoint that restaurant is better today than it was on the best day that her great-grandmother cooked in it.
2: We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity Presents... Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice.
1: Willie Mae was there the entire 16 months from the day she showed up in Houston, sitting on the the corner, to when you showed up in mm-hmm. her life and all the volunteers. But sadly, once it finally opened up at 92, I think 91 years old, 92 years no, old. No,
0: she'd have been 91. Yeah.
1: At 91 years old, she was just physically unable to stand over the stove and cook all day and mentally it took a toll on her and she was never able really to to work in and run her restaurant again but her great-granddaughter stepped
3: up
0: yeah it was a uh that that part of the uh of the process was going away the most challenging part you know i at the for the for the better part of a year I was going down to New Orleans you know twice I mean three times every two weeks basically I'd go down for 3 days come home for a couple of days 3 days come home for a couple of days 4 days you know and work and come home for Aren't a couple you tired? days i mean uh, running a
1: business going back and forth that's that's a that's a lot for a 14 month stint uh,
0: it, it it was but I was 40 and you know I still had a lot of energy when I was 40 yeah,
1: I remember those days too um
0: but uh um so I spent a lot of time in there uh by myself um mm. Willie may Willie may would her her son drove a taxi and would bring her over and unload her and put her in a chair and she'd sit in the corner with the newspaper and just talk to me whatever I was doing and you know, and as we moved through this project, and the project was 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 getting written about, and there was interest in it, you know, all of a sudden family members uh, started showing up that never had any interest in the restaurant before, and in their minds, you know, this is something that is all of a sudden, you know, they've got some sort of you know generational equity in it, and you know, this is going to inure to their benefit somehow. And Which is not what you bought in for. No, right. And as uh, you know, as time went along, they were manipulating Willie Mae. Willie Mae was was getting very confused. She was, you know, I watched a woman who went from a you know a seventy year old, ninety year old, right, um, you know, into a full on hundred year old, ninety year old just by virtue of the fact that she was taken out of her regular routine that she had been in for 50 years. And she may not have died in the flood, but the flood killed her. Yeah. And, you know, and she, she survived for, uh, you know, a couple of years, a uh, couple of five, six years uh, after the, uh, the, the storm. Uh, I mean, after we, we got her reopened and I mean, I don't know how much she was there, but the infighting that went on, you know, led me to a place where there were moments when I was in there. And I mean, I was on my knees praying because I didn't know what these hundreds and hundreds of hours were going to ultimately lead to. If we were going to, like, there was a possibility in my mind we could hand the keys over to these folks and they go, Thanks, And next thing we know, they're nailing a for sale sign to the side of the building. And then they're just going to split up whatever it is that they can, can make off of
1: it. As you know, as a Catholic, no good deed goes unpunished.
0: Uh, of course. And, <laughs> you know, and that was, you know, and that was one of those things where I really had to meditate on, uh, you know, that you, you just, you can't qualify your philanthropy. I mean, you do the right thing for the right reason. And, you know, no matter what the outcome is or what the consequences, you're just doing. Did you question your efforts at some points? Uh, of course. Because
1: there's a lot of money involved here too. I mean, you had to have spent a fair amount of money doing this. Uh, Raised a fair amount of money.
0: We we did, and you know, and and yeah, I I mean, I never I never until we you, you just said it. Like I never really thought about you know what I spent out of my pocket. I just didn't care, um, you know, but there's a lot of trips up and down the highway, you know, to the tune of about 150 bucks a trip, uh, you know, on gas and a, you know, in a suburban, um, sleepless you
1: know. nights away from your business.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, I, those just weren't the things that I thought about Then, Um, you know, the, the nice thing is that, you know, the end of the story is that, you know, in spite of the fact that you know that Willie Mae ultimately passes, uh, you know, sort of right before her hundredth birthday, Um, you know, that she never did work another day, you know, in the restaurant, you know, but it remains in the hands of the family. Um, and the
1: great granddaughter who actually hustled for tips originally, which is rightfully where it should have ended up. It sounds like. Yeah. And Um, the recipe on the chicken hadn't changed.
0: No. Now it's still spectacular. <laughs> um, and, you know, and as I said, you know, they, they've expanded the menu slightly, uh, but not, you know, gone beyond, you know, what they're capable of serving. You know, one of the things that, that I, that I always loved was that Willie may, you know, when I said you would get your plate of food with two pieces of white bread, you know, she would go through these sunbeam or bunny loaves of, uh, of bread and, uh, and she'd serve all the bread out of them and she would keep one bag that she would just throw the heels in and she would throw the heels from the loaves in the, in the bread bag, throw them in the freezer and hang on to the heels until she had enough heels to make a pan of bread pudding. No way. And so, and it was, it was total Russian roulette when you went in there, whether she was going to have bread pudding or not. She had bread pudding about once every, you know, or two days out of every two weeks or something.
1: Because she had to get enough eels to make it.
0: Right. And never saw, you know, that, well, maybe if I just like left some bread out overnight and let it dry out, you know, I could sell <laughs> bread pudding on the reg. And uh, so, uh, but uh, Carrie now keeps bread pudding on the menu. Carrie's the great-granddaughter. the great-granddaughter,
1: yeah. Right. And um, she's the owner and the operator. Yeah.
0: She and her, uh, she is, is married and. They uh I think I read recently they're they're looking at opening a second location in the in the French quarter or, or somewhere. So, you know, I, I hope for her sake, you know, that she can do that, that her, you know, her work continues to pay off because she she could have walked away from the stand thing and and it just it wouldn't be there.
1: So in that that first few days of that five week, process where it was going to be five weeks. I remember reading that there was, uh, um, and I think you said it, you know, it took all that time just to get everything out. But I, I think I remember reading that there was a debris field that was the inside and outside. And what was this place that was like 10 feet wide by eight foot tall by, you know, 50 or 60 feet long just how many people did you have there? Because that's a bunch of crap to be carrying out of a building and putting on a curb.
0: Well, the the the, the story of the 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 people who volunteered, uh, folks who came once, folks who came multiple times, folks who came from as far away as Europe and South America. Are you kidding? Uh, to no. help you? It was it was it was and this was really this was not me this was the sfa the southern foodways alliance but they were helping your uh, efforts call, right? right yeah um and you know I, I think that most of them were connected to the sfa uh, you know there there were probably some who just wanted to come and be part of something and ended up falling in our laps um but you know those first five weeks we we took a, a picture every weekend with the volunteers on the side of the building and we uh, have a, uh, a vinyl banner with sort of the project name on it <clears throat> and everybody autographed it um, and it was hundreds and hundreds of people that came in those first five weeks. And not just from New Orleans, literally from all over the world. All over the world. And, you know, that, the, the whole process, I, I made so many amazing friends. There's still a half dozen folks that you know i rubbed up against on that project that check in with me from time to time they send me pictures from you know when they run into a big bad breakfast in charleston they you know just want to know how i'm doing and what's going on um you know i i met my wife and uh we i mean i met a woman who would become my wife um and we courted through all of this and um you know there were two people that came along as part of that project that locked arms with me and spent time with me and helped me and became close enough friends that two of those guys stood in, in our wedding together. Uh, I mean, stood they stood with us and in, uh, in, in our wedding. Um, that's how profoundly moving, you know, this was that, you know, the the relationships that were that were built and or and forged as a you know as a result of the time that we spent together and you know and how emotional it, it was. I mean it was uh the, the roller coaster of emotions that went on constantly, you know, while there, you know, both, you know, being fear, joy, sadness, love. Backache yeah uh exhaustion i mean it's uh it's it's truly something that you know I, I i can't i can't imagine uh and i know that it doesn't come close to you know to any sort of true uh you know battlefield uh reality
1: but you do, but do there have like to an be an army s- of people
0: it, there was definitely some similarities and it definitely took a, an army of folks, you know, just out of nowhere. But there's a pile of those that are, you know, they're friends for life. It's an
1: amazing story. So have you taken the time to understand that save your involvement? Willie Mays legacy ends at Katrina.
0: Um, yeah, more than more than likely, uh, it's it's a hundred percent at a at a dead end, um, and also, uh, you know, open the door to, uh, you know, some really great exposure. You know, the 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 volume of business they do now is just, it's yeah, you can do ridiculous. more than make a living. Yeah, but yeah. the
1: point is, John, nobody anointed you. You're not a politician. You're not. You're not somebody that 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 tabs you the guy to go fix stuff. You're a normal guy going through life, building your business, building your brand, working hard, and you see a need in your home in the face of a catastrophe and you filled it. And in doing so, you um you saved a family's legacy and really honestly a, a piece of New Orleans legacy. And I don't care how many big, bad breakfasts you build in your career, nothing can replace that. And I think it's a, a fabulous story, an amazing story. And you are almost overly humble about it, but, um, you know, well, I, I at won't... the risk of sounding condescending, you should be proud.
0: Well, well, thank you. It's, it's very kind of you to say, and, uh, but, but I won't lie to you. One of the, one of the, uh, uh one of my, my favorite moments, you know, from it all only came about two years ago when we had a, a a hurricane bearing down on New Orleans and uh and I was talking to John T and I said, This thing can't hit New Orleans. I don't have another fried chicken restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> can't <do> it anymore. <laughs> it's sixty years old. <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: listen, one of the things we do is we share uh contact information. If someone hears your story and is inspired to ha- to help somebody else out that's in need. Um, is there an email address through your restaurant business that people could reach out to you?
0: I'm, I'm easy. I'm john at bigbadbreakfast.com.
1: John at bigbadbreakfast.com. And you're in 17 cities now, right? And uh, Big Bad
0: Breakfast. Well, we have 17 locations. 17 locations. Um, yeah. And be. if you
1: have a Big Bad Breakfast in your town, this is a shameless plug. But if you have a big bad breakfast in your town and you hadn't been, check it out. It's it's uh it's an Oxford staple and it is really good breakfast stuff. So um and if you're ever in Oxford on the square, check out City Grocery or Bureau. Um John's food will be on display there. No, it's been you. wonderful visiting with you, John. I appreciate your time Thanks, very, very much. Thanks, man. It's been
0: great. This was a ball.
1: And thank you for joining us this week. If John or another guest has inspired you in general, or better yet, to take action, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. You can write me anytime at billnormalfolks.us at and I'll respond. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and on social. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, become a premium member at normalfolks.us. All these things that will help grow an army of normal folks. For our premium members, we'll have bonus content from this episode. And it's John and I talking about restaurants in New Orleans and Oxford and his early career as a restaurant owner. If you don't want to miss it, become a premium member today. Lastly, thanks to our sponsor, Iron Light Labs. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week.